Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. two of Mornings with Carmen, and I have a little cleanup on aisle five to do before we uh, open hour two. So at the end of the last hour, Chris Martin and I had a conversation about something called the human stock market, and it's it's disturbing on the face of it, um, but uh, several people who have texted in and or emailed um, didn't feel like I did a, a, a very good job of helping us think through this issue from a Christian worldview. So here is the bottom line, in my view, of that conversation. Um, we are influencers, every single one of us. We are influencing the people around us. We are influencing the people we interact with on social media. We are influencers. The question is, in which direction are we influencing others? And um, maybe to the Christian, the question is, how interested am I in being sure that every single one of the minute decisions that I make day in and day out is actually a decision that is guided by Christ. So does Jesus care what we eat or what we wear or where we go or what we watch or how we influence others? Well, the answer is yes. And so we want to cultivate the mind of Christ on the matters of the day, even down to the most minute of decisions that we make. And no, we're not selling that to anyone else. Um, my, I mean, uh, frankly, my uh, my soul's already... Uh, already been bought. It fully belongs to Christ. And so he's the one whose influence I am following, and he is the one for whom I am seeking to influence others. So let me uh, encourage you today in that in that conversation. All right, where in the Word are you today? We find ourselves on a follow-on to yesterday's conversation about Ephesians chapter 3, the opening verses. We find ourselves picking up in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. So I'm going to read from verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Now, again, remember, this is Paul, and he is now turning here from a conversation about the mystery of the, of the grace of God extended to the Gentiles. Um, and now he is going to pray for his fellow believers in Ephesus. So Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And let me hear all God's people say, amen, amen. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In is going to uh, join me. We're going to talk about a few movies that are 
popping this weekend. And then we're going to turn to a really important blog that um, Adam has posted at PluggedIn.com. There is a member of the Academy, um, uh, the the group of people that votes on the Academy Awards, and he has taken a very bold pro-life stand, and I want you to hear his story. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Focus on the Families Plugged In joins me again today. You can find the articles that we're going to be discussing at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Are you past the season of snow where you live? No, it snowed like three times this week. <laughs> I know. What's, I've heard the new, what's the new phrase I, that's springter? Have you heard that one? Spring oh, and winter? Spring. Yeah, there springter. you go. I yeah. see. I see. Mm, yes, we're smack in the middle of springter. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, for those people that like to ski during spring break, they are thankful that there's still snow in Colorado. So there you go. Yeah. We'll, we'll, just be, we'll just be really happy for all of them. Okay, yeah. let's, talk about, um, let's talk about Stowaway because yeah. this, um, this seems like a movie that, um, yeah, that people might actually go see. Yeah, this is a pretty interesting film. Uh, it stars Anna Kendrick uh, and um, Daniel Day Kim. People may remember him primarily from his role on Lost and Tony Collette and Shamir Anderson. It's really, it's four characters. And this is a movie about a mission to Mars with three uh, astronauts. Now, if you're saying to yourself, three, but There's you just said characters. four, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. called Stowaway, hmm, that's mm. weird. So this is a finely calibrated mission to Mars. I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't play one on TV. <laughs> but if I did, I would tell you, Every ounce matters when we're talking about trying to get human beings to another planet. They have to have the right amount of oxygen and the right amount of fuel. And so when you increase the human load by 25%, which is what happens here, uh, Shamir Anderson plays a guy who has an accident and basically tumbles into the craft right before it launches and nobody notices and mm. they discover him bloody and unconscious. And, you know, so the first part of the drama is just reviving this guy. And then the realization, oh, we're in deep, deep trouble here. Um, so what I like about this movie is it is a really interesting ethical exploration. You could call it a morality play because they know that mathematically it's impossible for them to get to Mars uh with all four of them. And so do you, how do you decide if someone's not going to make it, you know, or do you say, Hey, we're just going to hope for the best and everybody dies. And of course, you know, there's a scheme to try to magically find more oxygen in the middle of space. And I won't say whether that's successful or not, but it's a pretty interesting film. Um, it is on Netflix actually, and it is rated TVMA. Occasionally, Netflix gives their movies a TV rating as opposed to the the movie rating. But uh, your listeners probably know that's basically the equivalent of an R rating. And it earns that for, um, oh, six or seven really harsh profanities and and some more sprinkled on top. Literally, if they took – if they had dialed down the language, this almost would have been a PG film. Um, But I think they didn't and it pushes it into – you know, that kind of R-rated TVMA territory. 
not gratuitously, but definitely is probably going to be one you're not going to want to watch with young children. But I think for older teens and adults, could be a great conversation starter about the ethical conundrums that these four people face in space. Okay, and it's and apparently not he didn't it's not like he stowed away intentionally. This no, is, no. He's like a technician. Kind of like random a, part of this story. Like I just yeah. I, let, let's just say Adam and I are both absolutely um certain that NASA is paying more attention to people and to um what goes on to a spacecraft than this movie um sets up. Um right. I actually think that one of the dilemmas that's like really really interesting one of the interesting storylines that you um that you share with us is that like there's this expecta- expectation back on earth that um that this character is gonna be somewhere else doing something else like he is his right. baby sister's legal guardian and right. she's counting on him to be there not millions of miles away um yep. like that's, that's right. like there are some really good there are some good conversation um, starters in here for us to have with our kids. I mean, like literally, yeah. I mean, not that I'm going to fall into a spaceship and be, you know, millions of miles away from you, but things do happen. And how would we, you know, how do you think you might cope with that if yeah. if suddenly I wasn't here for some period of time for some reason? Yeah, this is a great conversation starter if you feel like that profanity is navigable. And I know there are going to be mm-hmm. listeners out there who say, oh, yeah, they're going to yeah, like, yeah, I'm not doing it's not, that. not yeah. my favorite, but I can, my family can deal with that. Or, you know, others who say, no way. I, there are so many entertainment choices, even right. if it's not that much, I don't have to go there to find a good conversation. And I think those are both valid responses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to see exactly what crude or profane language appears, you can actually go and read this post at pluggedin.com. It is the first movie review up right now, and it is called Stowaway. All right, um, Adam, let's um, let's uh, just uh, we can dispense with this one pretty quickly. Mortal Kombat, yeah. yes or no? Mortal Kombat is both mortal and combat based on the 1992 video game. No. <laughs> yeah. And how about Big Shot? Yes or no? Uh, Big Shot is a definite maybe. Big Shot is an interesting movie because it's on Disney+. Plus. It stars uh, John Stamos as a a Bobby Knight-like figure, an out-of-control coach who gets canned and then ends up coaching a high school girls basketball team. Uh, there's some profanity. There's some same-sex attraction. There's some pretty mature stuff for Disney+. Plus. So, again, could be a, a great sports conversation starter for older teens, but it might be a bit of a surprise if you're thinking it's going to be squeaky clean Disney stuff because it's not. Yeah. All right. Let's take a very brief break. I want to spend the entire next segment talking about um, the post that you have about this member of the Academy who has taken this very bold pro-life stand. So that conversation is up next with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. This is amazing All right, continuing my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Uh, if you go to PluggedIn.com, one of the uh, articles that you're going to see posted there in the blog section is Academy Voter Takes Bold Pro-Life Stand. Adam, I'd love if you just walk us through this. Yeah, I came across this story last week, and it's a little bit dated. It actually uh, was published in Variety in late February. And in it, uh, an Academy voter, and you might think, oh, who are these people? It's a huge list of people who have been associated with Hollywood in one way or another. And this year, the Academy had something like 9,000 people voting. So he's one of these people. Um, A man named Keith Merrill 
basically responded to the well whether or not he was going to watch the abortion drama never rarely sometimes always and again if you don't know how the academy works uh the the films that are uh, nominated for awards are among many that are considered. And so there were some 300 movies that Academy voters were supposed to pick through. And Keith makes the point, look, wh- nobody's going to watch all of these movies. And he responded to the movie's director and basically said, I am not going to watch this one. And he said, mm-hmm. quote, I received the screener, but as a Christian, the father of eight children and 39 grandchildren and pro-life advocate, I have zero interest in watching a woman cross state lines so that someone can murder her unborn child. 75 million of us recognize abortion for the atrocity it is. There's nothing heroic about a mother working so hard to kill her child. Think about it. Um, and this this sparked a really interesting back and forth conversation uh, between Keith and her, and then you know some other folks got involved as well. But here's the point I want to stick. We can think of Hollywood as this place where everybody is a godless heathen out to stamp out Christianity, and we forget that there are really passionate people, or we can forget, who are are saying things like this, who are taking a risk to communicate a view that, man, it is not politically correct these days to say things like what Keith said. So kudos for him for taking this stand. So, I mean, here's here's a few, I think, lessons for each of us and all of us in this. Don't assume that an email that you send to someone is private. Um, because the person who received it immediately made it public. Um, and, 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 told the world, you know, she viewed it as a harsh reminder that the Academy is still painfully monopolized by an old white puritanical male guard. I appreciate the way that he then um, responds to the accusation that he's old, you know, the affirmation that he's white, the the charge that he's puritanical. You know, he says, I go to church, I pray to God, and I believe in Jesus. I embrace traditional values, and I believe in moral agency. I try to love my neighbors, hard as it is sometimes— does that make me puritanical? Like yep. when we, and I do think that there are, there are reasonable, rational ways to respond when people, you know, frankly call us names. And right. so I thought that was a good lesson embedded in here as well. Yep. No, and the other thing that I, I appreciate that he does is he, he wrote a letter to Variety um, after this showed up, I think on her Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Basically, the conversation then turned, you know, who has a right to say what? And he said, she has a right to say to do this. Her film is an expression of who she is, he writes. My absence of interest in watching her film is an expression of who I am. We are equally valid in our choices, what we do and how to how we choose to live our lives. And he says, you know, I'm sure it's a pretty well-made film, but that doesn't mean that I have to watch it or agree with it. And so even though he's bold, he's not belligerent. There's a winsomeness here. Like he comes across as, okay, he has a strong conviction, but he's pretty decent about it. You know, he's not in your face and he's not calling her names. And I love what he has modeled here for us in that response. Yeah, he does have 39 grandchildren. So my uh, my guess is he has had some robust conversations about some of these things, and he is used to not everyone agreeing with him. Well, and I'm guessing that having 
those convictions in Southern California. It's a place where perhaps that's an even less popular stance there than it is elsewhere, although even that's a generalization, I realize. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have to figure out how do we have conversations with people about our worldview that as the spirit leads, that we are willing to say bold things, but there were, we also do it winsomely and respectfully in a way that maybe can generate conversation as opposed to just generating, you know, another firestorm of controversy with people shouting at each other. Man, there's a lot of shouting these days. And in some ways, I think Keith wasn't shouting and Eliza, the filmmaker, kind of shouts back at him. And, and it's sort of like he says, whoa, why are you yelling at me? You know, here's where I'm coming from. Just think about it. Um, and I, I like that. I, um, you know, I mean, I just recognize the the command for Christians to speak the truth. Like we need to be people who are not afraid to tell the truth and speak the truth. But I also recognize, you know, we're commanded to do so in love, um, in a spirit of love, um, you know, the spirit of love first toward God, but then absolutely the spirit of love toward others. And there are a lot of Christians who have not yet cultivated the ability to speak the truth in love. Um, And so I think that's one of the lessons here as well. I do think that his initial email to her um, is under she I understand why she took it the way she took it. Like, it's pretty blunt, pretty strong. Yes. And then I and then I really appreciate that in um, in follow up, he does demonstrate a a humility. There is a corrective there in terms of the way he presented the initial um uh, the initial, you know, just saying I'm not going to watch it. Like, right. So I, I do think there's something to learn here in terms of let's let's follow up, let's follow through, let's not be people that just drop verbal bombs on others. Um, right. There is a speaking the truth, and I really appreciate that. I, I really appreciate the courage that it took to do this on his part. Um, I hope that it will embolden others to do likewise. Uh, but then I really also appreciate what we learn from the way he talks about his own faith and yep. um, and his conviction that everyone has the right to express their own their own views and you know and to say you know these are my views and I'm not going to have them silenced. Like I I yeah. just genuinely appreciate it. So thanks for thanks for lifting it up to all of us. Absolutely. And and as long as we're lifting things up, I also just want to say, Focus on the Family has our Sea Life 2021 digital event coming up. Uh, which is a celebration of life. Uh, and it obviously is revolving around the issue of abortion and how we respond as Christians. But you can find a link to that in my blog as well, because that's obviously the pro-life movement is one that we at Focus on the Family are deeply passionate about. And sea life is not like um, animals in the ocean. It's S-E-E, no. like what S-E. we see. That's I just right. think it's always good to say, right? Because people don't know yes. it could be a whales documentary. It is not. Yeah, okay. or, or it's also not, it's not about the letter C either and what happens nice nice Uh, (laughs) exactly all the kinds of conversations we could have right i did oh (laughs) hey this is completely off topic but it are you familiar with um um people who do like battle rapping like is that even a, a genre of of entertainment you're aware of um i am not familiar with it so i'm not okay. going to try to break it no i'm gonna have you have to do some research on battle rapping because i have a person i want to talk with and i obviously am going to need to be prepared okay i have i have met a christian battle, battle rapper 
I Note know. to self. I know. Battle wrapping is not Christmas paper. Okay. okay. Study up. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families, plugged in, always helping us engage with the media environment we live in today. Really appreciate it. We got to take a break for Breakpoint. All right. I do love you guys. We're going to talk um, next with Paul Angon. He is the author of 25 Lies 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing. So what do you currently believe that you need to stop believing? Um, because it's not true. Because that's actually the most dangerous lie to believe is the one that, well, there you go, is a lie and is not true. And there's a lot of um, a lot of people believing things today that are not true, and they don't even recognize that they're actively suppressing the truth. So we're going to have that conversation up next. We'll be right back. This is Max Locato. God not only wants the mistakes we've made, he wants the ones we're making. Are you drinking too much? Are you cheating at work or cheating at marriage? Mismanaging your life? Don't pretend nothing's wrong. The first step after a stumble must be in the direction of the cross. 1 John 1, 9 promises if we confess our sins to God, He can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. So start with your bad moments. And while you're there, give God your mad moments. There's a story about a man bitten by a dog, and when he learned the dog had rabies, he began a list. The doctor said, there's no need for you to make a will. You'll be fine. Oh, I'm not making a will. He said, I'm making a list of all the people I want to bite. God wants that list. He wants you to leave it at the cross. This is Max Lucado. All right, Paul Angoni is a really good go-to resource on next-gen conversation. So you might think here millennials, and then you might, you might also begin thinking Gen Z. We're going to talk today about his brand-new book, 25 Lies, 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, How to Get Unstuck uh, and Own Your Defining Decade. Paul Angoni, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thanks for having me, Carmen. Okay, um, favorite, uh, my favorite um, thing to note about you is that you offered an impromptu graduation speech from your garage last year, and I have a graduating senior this year, so I am looking forward to the Dear Class of 2021 post. <laughs> Just letting you know. If It felt like a very COVID thing to do. Since I couldn't go speak anywhere, might as well give one in my garage while I was staining some wood. It felt fitting. I love that. You guys can find that at allgrownup.com. That's a great one-stop shop for all things Paul Angoni. Um, you can find out more about him, and he's got tons of really great downloadable resources available there. If you want to better understand uh, millennials and emerging generations, uh, he is a great resource for that. This book is really for the 20-somethings in our lives, and I I just genuinely appreciated this approach. Um so why don't you why don't you tell people, um, you know, you tell them what the book is about because then I want to talk specifically about some of the lies that you address in here. Yeah, you know, I I know for myself when I graduated college and then entered my twenties, I thought I was going to climb all those steps and open up the doors and I was going to fling open the doors to the rest of my life. You know, my dream job, my dream marriage, my dream house. 
you know, I was going to step into that. Instead, like most of us, I got to that place where I opened up the doors and I felt like I ended up back in the basement and there was a bunch of locked doors and, and, and dark halls. And, and I started believing all these lies, like I've missed my chance and I'm a failure. And why is everybody doing better than me? And I really struggled with that. So that's why I have this passion. It really comes out of my own feelings. Like I was a failure in my twenties to speak truth and hope to 20 somethings today to, to help them build a foundation of wisdom, uh, as they're building the rest of their lives, instead of building a, a cracked foundation built on lies that maybe they're believing from their, their, the culture or media or social media or whatever it is today. So, um, I think that one thing that I love about your approach is that you help 20 somethings have a, have a perspective that they cannot possibly themselves have because frankly, they're only in their 20s. And so thank you for like bringing real wisdom to bear on these conversations. Um, uh, let's do line number 14. My life doesn't look like it was, quote, supposed to. This is huge. Yeah, you know, I think for all of us, unmet expectations can really bring us down. And especially in our 20s, like I was saying, where you have all these high expectations of what your life is supposed to look like. And I remember when I was driving in my car one day and I was just struggling with this, like, when am I going to be successful like I was supposed to? And then it just dawned on me, you know, that the life will never quite feel like it was supposed to. Because what is supposed to built on? It's built on these unmet expectations, these, these, this, this thing that I thought life should have to be like. You know, marriage has to be like this or career success has to be like this. But really success in our 20s is not about things going as we planned but how we adapt, change, and grow when they don't go as planned. That's really success in your 20s. So one of the things I appreciate at, at the end of every chapter, you um, you give this list of takeaways for the reader. Um, let's just talk about that process. Like, How does it actually help somebody to reflect on what you have said in, in applying that to their own life? Like, How does that process of re- reflection help us? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the most dangerous lies uh, that we can believe, you know, are the ones that we think are true. So I think it really is an important first step to identify lies for what they are and to discuss it and to bring it out into the open and talk about it. And then, yeah, we don't want to just sit there with the lie. You know, it doesn't do us necessarily much good to say, oh, well, that's a lie. Well, what do I do with that? Well, now we have to bring in the truth and we have to change our habits to move into that truth. So that's why in each chapter there is next steps as I give out pointers and ideas for, okay, how do we do this differently so that we can walk forward into the opposite of this lie, into the truth, and hopefully that's going to lead into a more successful life, better relationships, a clearer sense of uh, purpose and direction. You know, I think we all could use those things these days, especially though in your 20s when you're starting out on the rest of your life in this defining decade of your life. Okay, let's jump to lie 21. Um, I am well informed. Um, I will I will just confess to you as a person who is um, not in her 20s or in her 30s or in her 40s, <laughs> the, um, the, the level of perceived expertise and know-it-allism of the 20-somethings is kind of frustrating for me. So I'm looking to you to help me better understand this um, this lie, um, and then equip, you know, equip us to sort of help 20-somethings see this about themselves. Yeah, you know, I think it's a sign of maturity and wisdom as we grow older that we start realizing and learning how much we we don't know. 
you know, and that's mm-hmm. a sign of maturity is, is realizing, man, there's so much I don't know. So I can come to things with humility and open hands and asking good questions. And really, that's a great sign of maturity, too, is the ability to ask good questions. So that's why in this lie, when I'm talking about I'm well informed, you know, I think we really have to check <laughs> our information, especially these days, because, yeah, a 20 something might feel like they're well informed because they're jumping on social media. They're reading the headlines of the day. But really, we're just being fed all this information, especially from the Internet, that that typically is what we want to hear uh, because it's based on filter bubbles and cognitive bias and all these things that I break down in the book when really wisdom, again, is coming from a place of information that is far beyond the Internet or the headlines of the day, uh, coming from really good conversations like like you were talking about, Carmen, of, of the ability to ask good questions to mentors and to people who know so much more. So, yeah, I, I do try to steer 20-somethings down the path of asking good questions, wisdom, and not feeling like I'm well-informed because I'm obsessively connecting on the Internet and getting my information there. <laughs> I love one of the next steps that you list in this one, which is stretch yourself by reading books. It could just stop there. I mean, you went on to say reading books on topics you're not naturally drawn to, but you could have just stopped with stretch yourself by reading books, you know, as opposed to, you know, just the sum total of someone's Instagram. It is. You, I mean, you almost realize how radical it is to read a good book these days, it, but yet how important it is uh, because that information that's coming from the book has gone through a lot more stages, uh, a lot more editors and people reading it. And it's just it's more refined. And it's from a person that has spent years and years hopefully mastering their craft because it's really hard to get a book deal. You know, that person's done a lot of work versus, yeah, just throwing up some headline on the Internet uh, to get clicks, some emotional uh, headline uh, that is the sky is falling again. And so I do think we need to get back to, yeah, can we read some really good books? Because there's so many good books out there. And that's why I love reading history books. And I, I talk about this in my book um, because it gives me clarity. It gives me perspective to know, mm-hmm. hey, here's where we've been before. Here's where we're going. And, um, and that's really important, especially in today's age. There's a, um, there's a God's got this component to the entire conversation that you're leading us into and through. And I really, really appreciate that. Like, if I'm going to ask the question or I'm going to live under the lie that my life is supposed to look some way different than it looks now, um, then, you know, my trust in who God is and his sovereignty and his hand on my life and his providence, you know, probably needs to be strengthened. And so um, I just... I just really appreciate your approach. Um, Paul Angoni is the author. The book is 25 Lies, 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, How to Get Unstuck and Own Your Defining Decade. Um, Paul and I will continue this conversation in just a moment. All right. If you don't really know what's going on in uh, in the culture of 20-somethings, this is a great window into it. If you are a 20-something, this is a, a kind of an essential resource for what's going on in the world today and how um, you see yourself and engage. 25 lies 20-somethings need to stop believing. Um, lie number 12, YOLO, you only live once. Um, Paul Angoni is uh, advocating we replace that with some new 20-something mottos. Maybe hi-bo, hustle your butt off. I can't do uh, WFH because um, 
It doesn't have any vowels in it. But it's War for Hope. Pogo, Push On, Grit On. I like that one. Go, which is just Grit On. Because is K-O-B. Am I pronouncing that Cobe or Cobb? Keep on However you want to do it, Carmen. Right, I like it. I like it. Um, I love I love number six, Cush. Create until something happens. There might also be a push there, but I don't know what that is. I don't know what push. We need a we need a push for Cush to go along with that. Um, that gives you a little sense of some of the fun Paul has in the book. Um, but these um, are really provocative conversations. I'd love to talk about Live 15 because it is nostalgia. I think that um, we all imagine that there were good old days, and if it could just be like the good old days, then, you know, my life would be so great. Uh, in reality, you know, the good old days were were in the Garden of Eden. That was the last time that days, the days of man were um, transcendentally good. And so talk with us a little bit about nostalgia and, um, you know, how 20-somethings are victims to its lie. Yeah, I think at any age we can be gripped with nostalgia. And and I think it comes to this place where we're going through something hard in the present where something feels very difficult or we can't see the road in front of us. So we start looking back and we start wishing we could go back, oh, to the time where I didn't have any problems or I wish I could get back to college where I was with my friends and, and everything was so easy. And yet in nostalgia, we forget that in the past, like you were saying, Carmen, that we we had problems then too. Uh, we were struggling in some way as well. Uh, you know, we didn't have all the answers then, and so it's hard to live in the present and then move towards your future if you're always trying to go back in the past. Now, I think we can be thankful, and we should be thankful about the seasons of the past, of the ways that, like you were ta- uh, saying before, Carmen, that the ways that God has brought us through some hard situations. I think it's good to remind ourselves of that. But I don't think we should be wishing we could go back to the past, oh, where I had no problems, where things were so easy, because that really takes away from living in our present and moving forward into the future. Let's talk a little bit about exchanging some of these lies for truths. Um, Let's talk about, I mean, if you just would, just talk about the power of truth and yet the sort of the confusion related to that among 20-somethings today. Well, yeah, I think... Right now, I mean, we're definitely hearing the phrase a lot of live your truth. Mm -hmm. And that's what you hear most in this culture. I'm going to live my truth. Well, I think for many of us, we come to a place if we're going to be honest with ourselves when when we're living out our truth. Well, it has to be built on something that is true. There has to be a foundation to it. You know, obviously my faith is a big part of that. And so I do weave that into the book because I do feel like we have to get to some sort of ultimate truth and that there is an ultimate truth. Now, obviously, that's a discussion and a debate in some circles, whether there is ultimate truth or not. But but I just know that my truth by itself is lacking. If it's just based on my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions in the moment, it's going to be uh, very insufficient. So I'm always looking for some ultimate truth, some wisdom. And, and I get that from the Bible and my relationship with God but also through mentors and, and history and like the things we were talking about before. So it's not just based on what I know, because again, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough um, to figure all these things out on my own. I, I need to come with a sense of humility. And I think we all do uh, to that place that says, you know what? I need to find truth that's outside myself to then fill myself with more ultimate truth. Paul Angoni is, um, is a really trusted. And when we had, talks on college campuses, a very sought-after campus speaker. Let's talk about the weirdness of the time we're in. 
let's talk about your own resilience, um, things that you've had to adapt to, and sort of the call um, for this next generation to to be actively resilient in the midst of what's going on in the world today. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, obviously an intense season for all of us. It's changed things for myself. Like you mentioned, I used to, as part of my career, speak live at conferences with people uh, in a room, you know, when you could do those kind of things. And right. uh, I'm hoping to get back to that at some point, uh, which is why I'm giving graduation speeches in my garage. You know, I'm like a caged up Amen. lion just wanting to get out. Um, <laughs> you know, I think for all of us, what, what I've been trying to remind myself is that we're going through such a stark season of transition and change. All of us are, but especially in your 20s when you're entering into this season, I mean, there's so much change and transition going on. But I try to remind uh, myself and, and readers is that I don't think transition change is something to just rush through to get to the next important season of our lives. I think transition, those seasons of change and transition can be the most important seasons of our life because it's in those times where we feel lost or we feel like we don't know quite the path ahead. You know, I think those are the times that we are humbled, that we grow in our character, that we learn what it means to persevere. And, and, and this is the time also that our ears are the most opened to, I, to what I feel like God wants to speak to us, to, to the road ahead that he wants us to go on. So I don't think we should rush through transition, rush through change, to, just to get to another place that feels comfortable. I think we should marinate in it, ask good questions, see if we're living our lives based on truth so that we can then build the next step of our journey uh, on something that is strong and, and meaningful instead of just rushing to some other thing um, and not asking ourselves the questions in the process. Um, all right. So um, Paul Angoni actually has a number of really, really great books that um, that you should check out. We've been talking today about 25 lies, 20 somethings need to stop believing. But if you've never read 101 Secrets for Your 20s or if you've never read All Grown Up or 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, um, I commend I commend them all to you. Um, and you you can also check out uh, not only his blog, but his podcast uh, you can do so at allgrownup.com. Um, Paul, thank you for um, loving younger people, and thank you for helping older people both understand and engage with them in meaningful ways. Um, you're you're a really great bridge guy, um, and so thank you for um, thank you for helping us uh, create and then cross over those inter- intergenerational bridges that are just so essential um, to us moving forward as a people. Oh, thanks so much, Carmen. It's an honor being on, and I love the conversation today. Well, we I just I, I couldn't tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing and, uh, and the blessing you are, so thank you. That's Paul thank Angoni, you. A-N-G-O-N-E. Paul Angoni, you can find him, well, you can find him on all the socials, the easiest place, allgrownup.com. We'll be right back. Hey, a quick reminder here that the um, Billy Graham Rapid Response Team event that is being held tomorrow, it's a training event at Living Word in Brooklyn Park. Um, registration still open today for that event if you want to participate. Thank you, Rosella, for that great reminder. You can just go to RRT, that's for Rapid Response Team, .org, and you can find the info there um, on that training event. 
RRT for rapid response team org. If you remember the conversation we had about that earlier in the week, um, you're, you know, you're going to know this is for everybody. This isn't just for people who want to train to be, you know, formal chaplains. This is for anybody who wants to learn how to step into um, uh, critical events in uh, in their church and in their community and do so in ways that uh, that honor God and, and help, are genuinely helpful to people. So um, thank you, Rosella, for that great reminder today. All right. Um, uh, the week is, the, the, the work week is over. I don't know. People who work on the weekend don't feel that way. But um, thank you, thank you so much for including me in all the ways you've included me this week. I love the places that we go together. I love the way you are influencing the culture for Christ. Blessings upon you as you go forth into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus. Grab the podcast and share it with somebody else at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.